Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family, a podcast about black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Hey. You beat Lincoln. Good, as always. (laughs) You did come first. How's it going? Uh, Going okay. Going fine. I uh, made pancakes, but I kind of goofed them. I don't really think it's my fault, though. They were supposed to be buttermilk pancakes, but our buttermilk was bad, so I tried to substitute it with a mixture of Greek yogurt and milk, and that made it way too thick. (laughs) Mix in a lot more milk to make up for it, but then all the mixing made it, like, really gluten-y. So they taste pretty good, but they're not correct um what you can do for a mix for like a buttermilk substitute one thing you can do is like a milk and a little bit of lemon juice so like in a i heard that too i felt like maybe the greek yogurt would taste good but i should have accounted for how uh how thick they were gonna be the only reason i know that buttermilk substitute is because it's in the better homes and gardens cookbook which i think every southern woman owns not me. Well, I guess um, it's because you're not married. I got one when I got married. <laughs> oh. Jeez. Uh, is that like um, yet another way I'm shut out? <laughs> well, I was thinking, is that like furthering um, <laughs> negative stereotypes against women that when I got married, I was given like a Southern cookbook? <laughs> They're like, you didn't need this until now, but you'll be cooking for a man, so study yeah. up. Oh, it is what it is. Um, well, I think Lincoln is joining any minute. He just asked me if, you know, if the link that I sent earlier was correct, so we'll see. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I'm doing okay. I, I think I, like everyone, have been having a hard week. I'm still thinking a lot about the situation in the world. Hi, Lincoln. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. Just chilling. How are you guys? I'm good. I was just telling Lindsay that I've been having a hard week, just still trying to process everything happening in the world. And at the same time, I am trying to educate myself and get up to speed really quick so that in a work context um, I can be supportive and be a good leader to my teams and so it has had me move into some very vulnerable spaces where next week I'm facilitating some conversations about race in America and I'm not that's really you know far above my own experience and expertise so i mean i've looped in our diversity and inclusion folks and i have this great diversity manager working for me named hamlet who's going to help me facilitate but um it's making me feel uncomfortable but i think starting the conversation is a good space to be in yeah what kind of things are you doing to prepare for that um, I've been listening to podcasts and um, I have, I've had conversations with Hamlet and then tomorrow at work I'm having conversations um, with another attorney at our firm who recently published an article on Law 360 um, about injustice in America and specifically what attorneys can do to make a change. But basically I've been trying to talk to experts and and hear the voices of Black leaders to know how to correctly talk about race and facilitate these conversations among frankly mostly white 
people on my teams, although there is, there is diversity, but um, not nearly as much as there should be. Um, and why that is, is another conversation, but you, you get where I'm coming from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What about you, Link? Um, yeah, it's been a difficult week just to watch the news. I find myself like sort of being glued to my phone recently, watching everything that's happening and looking for updates. Um, I've been able to have some conversations at my work just about giving people a space where they can talk about how they feel and talk about ways that we can help. Um, I haven't been able to go out and protest myself, unfortunately, but I have been trying to donate to causes and educate myself uh, in my free time as well. I went to one the other day. I'm planning to go to one later in a few hours. Yeah, that's That's great. great. And I'm glad that you and Nina were able to go together. I know that at first you were worried about compromising Nina's immune system. Yeah, well, we went because she kind of, because, you know, I let her lead the way. I wouldn't have gone if she didn't want to go. Um, but yeah, it kind of feels like necessary. <laughs> so necessary. And good. Well, and I also want to say that it is, I'm getting a deeper understanding of how emotionally draining it is how it's progress and we need to be doing it, but how tiring it is. So one thing I've been doing is is this week is educating up. So not only teaching myself, but teaching my boss and, you know, helping him draft a message to our whole department and making sure that the message focused on the black community and wasn't about us and, you know, named names of victims and, basically that we were getting it right. And even though my boss and people in, you know, firm leadership, I'm sure are very well-meaning, that doesn't mean that there's not a gap between what we know now, you know, and getting it right. (laughs) There's a very big difference between intention and impact. Yeah. And it has been Mm -hmm. so emotionally exhausting. It even shocked me and it made me feel really bad for Hamlet, the diversity manager who works for me because I mean, I felt in some ways I felt a lot of (laughs) guilt that because I needed to educate up that I was putting pressure on Hamlet to educate me. Do you know what I mean? Like you educate me so I can educate our boss and he didn't deserve that you know in this time but um we did the best that we could do it was exhausting anyway along those lines for our telling us apart segment this month (laughs) i thought we would do or this week i thought we would do something really vulnerable um and talk about the times that we didn't get it right so this morning i was listening to brene brown um, talk about in an interview with Ibrahim, I guess with Ibram Kendi, who's an academic, and uh, um, and they were talking about how important it is to be vulnerable and and related to that, and knowing that we don't know everything, we're not always perfect. Um, I thought it would be interesting for us each to tell a story about a time that we got something wrong, <laughs> based on our thinking at the time. Um, and possibly why. And so I'll start by giving my example. I remember when I was in college at Brigham Young University, I think either I was still a student or it might have been right after I graduated when I worked in the library. Um, After I graduated, I worked as like the learning resource center manager, which was like a media center manager. Um, And I remember for some reason I was watching this film in the collection um, and it was a, I think it was a film about 
horror movies and like taking like an academic look at horror movies Um, and as part of that film they did this overview of this movie shivers which is this horror movie that has like a lot of penis imagery and like i think the aliens kind of like all look like penises penetrating (laughs) these like women victims (laughs) (laughs) and i remember being so shocked and that i had watched it on a carol in the library so it was like public facing so people could walk by and i remember feeling like this intense shame and think and thinking like people shouldn't be able to watch this this is like and i put in a there's this form you could fill out to ask that the movie be reviewed to be put into the closed collection which means that no one could check it out but teachers <laughs> you're approved <laughs> i know and i filled out the form that the movie be reviewed to make sure it was appropriate for students and if not that it be put in the closed collection so only teachers could check it out or students with teachers permission and and to this day that really shames me especially as a librarian now you know later i became a librarian where like we're so anti-censorship and anti-people telling people what books they can and cannot read or what they can and cannot watch. But I mean, that was a central point in my life where I got it wrong. And I know that that was a lot from my own upbringing and like the prudishness that Mormonism teaches us, (laughs) you know, intentional or not intentional. But I want to acknowledge that I got it wrong long before I got it right. I'm looking up this movie. <laughs> Shivers. <laughs> Shivers like movie. movie. <laughs> I just want to know what the penis imagery looked like that you were so scandalized. <laughs> Deeply scandalized. I just felt like such shame and embarrassment seeing this on the screen. And it, not just seeing it. It was like the idea that people over my shoulder walking by could see me watching this. Right. <laughs> You're like one of those people. <laughs> I felt. How old were you when you um, signed that petition? Or What'd you or say? Whatever? I said, how old were you when you signed to have those, that movie like. I mean, I was somewhere between teeth. 19 and 21. <laughs> Got it. Lock it up. <laughs> So very fresh from mom and dad's house. Very fresh. Well, I mean, it seemed like almost pornographic to me as someone like who has uh-huh. never, never seen pornography. Do you know what I mean? So clean. So, uh, I don't know, just like naive, honestly, very yeah. square, but, but raised to be that way. But I mean, can you guys think of examples in your own lives? Somewhere like that where you of, got it wrong. I can think of two from the same about the t- same time period. Once, um, Sophie and I were, she was my college roommate and still friend. Um, one time freshman year, we were sitting in the lounge of our dorm and we were Skyping with one of her friends. Um, and he was saying, I don't remember how it came up, but he said something about like, girls watching porn and I was like girls don't watch porn and then across, <laughs> across the room across the lounge this older this older girl was like yeah they do <laughs> <laughs> and I was like what <laughs> and then this one's not as funny but I think it relates to probably what we're going to talk about later which is we were at at dinner I don't remember how it came up but we were talking about like confederate uh was it about confederate monuments or confederate soldiers and I said something about I like regurgitated that argument about Robert E. Lee being like he didn't want to fight for the confederacy he was just fighting for Virginia and one of my black RAs was like no (laughs) like she very clearly put me in my place rightly um and I was very embarrassed about it and still am to this day that I was like that I thought that I could make that argument to her but I mean I feel like that we did grow up in Virginia so we were 
like told and taught a lot of things. Yeah, I understand that shame, but also I feel like we have to place it in the context of that wasn't your original idea. You were raised in an area of the world where that was something taught. Right. Almost like bred into you. And so it makes sense that you were that you were taught that and you had to re you had to change your own mind. Yeah. Lincoln, what about you? Have you had an experience where you got it wrong? Um yes. Sorry, let me figure out how to phrase this. I am having trouble thinking of like a single experience where I've taken a stance and said something and then figured out later that I was wrong. But I feel like that is because uh, for like a lot of my life, I've been sort of indifferent to things. Like I didn't begin reading any, the news or any political articles until after high school, just because, you know, I didn't think that things applied to me. And that indifference I now feel was the wrong move to go. Um, because there are a lot of issues affecting not just me, but everyone in society. And if I, like, ignore those issues and don't actively try to um, level the playing field or promote justice, then I am promoting injustice. Well, that's actually a nice segue into the heart of what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I wanted to talk about monuments and also about our relationship to conflict. But the reason that I wanted to talk about monuments is because it's another one of those vulnerable moments for me anyway, where I think that I both got it wrong. And also, like you were saying, I just didn't feel strongly about it. Like I felt like I was resisting learning about it because it was a change that was a hard to hear and that it was a change of mind that challenged my own feelings of comfort and like what I love about Virginia. So in talking about monuments, I really wanted to talk about Monument Avenue. We all grew up in Richmond, Virginia, which I think, I don't know about you, but I have like very strong feelings of of home <laughs> about that city and that place and a huge tourist part of that is this beautiful monument avenue of of you know like lovely row houses and and monuments and trees and just this gorgeous kind of thoroughfare where nearly all of the monuments are monuments to, to Civil War heroes, and they point north if they died in the war, and they point south if they came home again. Um, and heroes. Heroes, yeah. And as you know, we got, as you know, we had conversations earlier this week where I wanted to, to dig more into my own thinking about this because I didn't feel strongly about the urge or the calls that people have been saying to take the monuments down. Or recently, as you know, the monuments in Richmond have been defaced and people have written, you know, Black Lives Matter and there's graffiti on them and it says like ACAB and, and different slogans. And our parents were horrified at this, that there were like, what they said was like, people putting all that nasty language on the monuments because I think it like there was the F word or other things and then after our like family zoom call last week mom and dad had to jump off early but I stayed and talked to like Lauren and Jamie and Megan and, and Lauren who I love so much was like raise your hand if you were happy about the monuments <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm glad I left talking about that because I was too mad but I'm glad that she yeah, and Jamie was like, yes, it's about time. And I had to kind of stop and question myself and say, like, why do I feel nothing about the monuments? Why do I just, like, love the monuments as this nostalgized piece of our home without thinking about the larger implications? So I wanted to talk more about that today and about how Lindsay and Lincoln, you both helped me sort of reframe my, my own mentality about the monuments and what they mean. 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, I guess. <laughs> Go ahead, Lindsay. I feel, like really strongly, like thrilled that they're coming down. I remember getting into. I was getting into arguments about it on Facebook in like 2016, when, uh, I think it started coming up after, obviously after Trump was elected, and then. I don't remember exactly when Charlottesville happened, but they sort of became this rallying point for white supremacists, which is not surprising, but obviously like growing up, that wasn't, we didn't learn. I don't know. We didn't realize that significance. We just kind of, I say we, as in like you and I, and all of, all of us who were brought up in the like, education system that was very white centric taught a very like white centric history and honestly like kind of confederate pro-confederate history in richmond um and having not grown up black we didn't learn that significance until later um but yeah i don't know i was very thrilled to see them come down and have gotten into like a couple of hope productive conversations <laughs> with people like in my workplace who were like, but I can understand why some of them should come down, but why Robert E. Lee? He was just fighting for his home. And then I had to kind of re-educate or try to re-educate that coworker <laughs> in the same way that I was corrected when I was like 18. Well, in the way that you corrected me, I think we, growing up in Virginia, we were taught an apologist history that Robert E. Lee wasn't racist, that he, you know, wanted to fight for the slaves, but, but he couldn't go against his homeland. And I think that is a, I don't know, gross. It's a a lie. (laughs) It's unbelievably, I mean, it's silly that we, that we were ever that we ever believed that. I think a lot of people who defend the monuments will use terms like, you know, it's heritage, not hate, or uh, you can't erase history. Why are we tearing down these monuments? And I feel like we, you can't erase history, but you can change like the elements of history that you idealize. And ultimately humans are the ones who like write history down and forge the narrative. Uh, so I think that all of these like Confederate generals on their horses with their swords pointed up to the sky, like they're Napoleon uh, and all these like really, really beautiful monuments are only um, just like showing how much we respected these people who fought for, who fought to keep slavery, slavery legal. I don't think while some people may feel pride that they come from like they're descended from confederates uh poc will look at those monuments and feel just like pain and injustice and they'll be reminded of all what those men were fighting to protect. right i think it's important to well, say not-, not just poc people of color like it's important to distinguish when we're talking about black people and black communities as opposed to people of color like an umbrella sure because that can be a form of erasure on its own well and i think that what you were saying lincoln does what changed my mind when we were talking in our little chat Lindsay said we have to li- it just comes down to we have to listen to the black community and if they say these monuments are symbols of oppression to us then they're symbols of oppression And I feel like just hearing that in such simplicity immediately convinced me where before I was thinking it is a negative history, but it is reminding us of our history or like all of the monuments of fascism in Italy. You know, is it a reminder of a stark reminder of like, we know where we've been. We're not going back there. But I mean, right. And I think it's important to think about how they're positioned like they're these monuments aren't set up in any sort of context to convey that we think that what those people did was bad. 
that we're painting mm-hmm. that we're understanding history in that light they're merely there to memorialize people who did something that was atrocious that was you know uh, horrible <laughs> like confederate like stonewall jackson look at stonewall jackson standing like a stone wall wasn't this a brave and like powerful man fighting for the confederacy well and it also perpetuates a version of history that is not correct i feel like even in governor school i took this fantastic class on historiography and i feel like as part of that class we read like roll jordan roll and our professor who honestly you know did such a great job teaching history but didn't always get it right you know taught us that at heart the civil war wasn't about slavery it was a it was about economics you know it was about slaves as commodities and i i don't think that's getting it right but i, I heard I came from that. You know what I mean? It was like, that's drilled in in my own education of smart people telling me something that it took years for Right, it's a twisted argument. Wait, what were you saying, Lincoln? I was saying in high school, I was taught that it it was about states' rights, and my teacher went on to, like, emphatically say, it's not about slavery. Well, that's so silly, because what do you think they wanted the states' rights for? So they could keep slavery. It's just such a twisted way of trying to excuse these parts of history. But I mean, I get it. I mean, when you are proud of being a Southerner, it's easier to change the narrative to something that feels more comfortable than to say, than to accept that I come from a place and a people and a tradition who got it Well, I don't think these people, (laughs) I don't think they're doing it because they, I don't think they think they got it wrong, (laughs) you know? I think they want to avoid, like, criticism, and they want to avoid people thinking that they're bad, but I don't think that the people who refuse to think critically about these monuments at heart think that they they were wrong you know i don't know no but i'm what i was saying is because it's easier to believe it's easier to believe that it's about state rights states rights or that it was about the economy or commodities than than to believe that your ancestors did something horrifying and that you have to you know recompense for what they did yep and also i think it has to do with how much identity in being a southerner is wrapped up in the civil war Mm -hmm. so i lived in i've lived in richmond i've lived in boston where they have no strong feelings about the civil war but so much of their identity is about the revolutionary war and fighting against England. And I truly think that geographically speaking, where you come from in America shapes a lot of what you were taught and who you are, who you are, you know, as people. And I think Southerners have this deep and abiding fascination with the Civil War. That is the war that has shaped us versus like being from New England or something. Well, again, else. so that has mm-hmm. to do with like. The thing that frustrates me about people who will point to the monuments as evidence of history is, first of all, they're not history books. And beyond that, who do you think wrote the history books? Like, why do you think we're learning the version of history that we're learning? You're not... Why don't these people examine why we're not learning more about the slaves who built this country beyond like you go to Monticello and see like one plaque that says like these were Thomas Jefferson's slave quarters why aren't they interrogating why we're not learning that history I mean I think no one is pushing right to. well I just think and I like I don't want to I don't want to set them up as other like these people like those people are 
right. are us, you know, having never questioned. Well, or we're the exact same. You know, you just have to, it's like, have you had anyone push you to ask these questions or have you not? Because you've, you know, you've always been privileged enough to, to not ever had to ask, you know, being white in the South. Yeah. So anyway, well, I appreciate each of you, you know, helping me expand my own thinking about monuments this week and why it's important that Monument Avenue change and that it's a great opportunity right now to like reimagine Monument Avenue. And like we talk about, like we talked about, think about having, you know, Kehinde Wiley or someone else, you know, recreate monuments that we could be proud of and that could support you know, all of, all Virginians make all of Virginians feel proud to be to be from where, where we're from. Yeah. Did you see those pictures of the two like young ballerinas posing in front of the monument to Lee? Yes, it was so beautiful. I only saw them because Matt showed them to me on Twitter. They didn't come up. They were from, I think, RPA yeah. magazine. I like stones as well. I thought it was just so powerful to have, you know, something so beautiful and lovely and accepted. These beautiful black ballerinas, you know, protesting. And they were, I don't know the ballet moves, but like doing the different positions. And when one of them, their like fists were up in front of this desecrated monument. I thought it was very striking. Me too. All right. Well, I'm glad. Thank you both for helping me to learn and grow, especially in times when (laughs) it's not easy because you haven't been pushed to feel differently. I think now is a good time to like start having hard conversations with people who think differently than us. It's not that they are other. It's just that I don't know. I want to encourage different ways of thinking and if I feel that someone's viewpoints are like actively hurting people without them really realizing it then I want to call that out right yeah that's that's actually a good segue to our next topic as well because I've been thinking that it's time to have more intimate or challenging or open conversations with our parents and not even necessarily about race and politics but just to provide the opportunity to get to have that to better understand them as people and to have them better understand us as people because I don't know if I don't know about you guys but I feel like I love mom and dad Mm -hmm. to no end I have like a vast well of unending love for them but if you asked me questions about why they are the way that they are, I don't really know. I was thinking like this week, do I know what dad's favorite color is? I have no idea. I know he loves money. I know he <laughs> loves bananas. I know I know where the country he's from. I know his deep feelings about religion, but I really don't know that much about why dad is the way that he is. He loves fun. or like real stories about his life. And I think that it's time that we did the hard work while we still can to understand our parents as people by asking them real real questions instead of having superficial conversations. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my challenge to you as well as my challenge to myself. But um, leading into our next topic, Lincoln, you brought this up actually that you wanted to talk about our relationship to conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we all have different relationships to it. Do you want to kick us off by talking about your own relationship? Sure. Um, I have realized in my adult life that I am very conflict avoidant. Um, And a lot of that stems just from my upbringing. Um, In the church and at our house, I feel like... um, since I was young, like maybe in my like 11 or 12, I knew I didn't 
like church. Uh, but I also knew that if I voiced that or acted on it in any way, I would um, either get like an aggressive conflict from dad where he would yell or throw a tantrum and then go crazy eyed. Or, or I would get like uh, a guilt conflict from mom where she would ask me to like pray until I got the answer that she would hear. Um, so because of those two realities to how I felt, I sort of learned to, uh, just nod and avoid conflict and like say yes and go along with things, uh, which has made it hard for me to know how to constructively tackle conflict as an adult. Um, but now that issue is very prevalent because if I'm going to be an anti-racist, you have to like tackle issues at the root and you have to know how to um, like discuss the issue and not like go after the person uh, that you're trying to have a discussion with. Uh, but yeah, that's my background, and I am growing and trying every day. That's really interesting to me that um, I think you have some of the very same conflict avoidance tendencies that I do too. But previously, I always conceptualized it less about mom and dad for me but more about my Mormonism, but I associate it strongly with being a female in Mormonism because I feel like being raised in the church, there's so much value placed on being good and being kind and being sweet and being amenable and being obedient. And a lot in my mind, I internalize that as being quiet and not having a voice and not raising my voice. Um, and it has deeply affected all of my romantic relationships where I even feel, I don't know if fear is the word, but I have deep hesitancy to ever even fight. You know, like fighting is bad, like expressing a negative opinion is bad. And I've had to talk through all of my partners and past relationships and explain why I'm the peacemaker that I am, why I am assuaging when I am, and why when I am angry, <laughs> and when I can work myself up, you know, like to yelling, it's such a big deal for me, because I'm fighting through this institutionalized idea that you know, not only to be angry is horrible, but to be like an angry woman is the absolute worst that you could be. So I've had to learn how to have, to allow myself to be angry, to have healthy anger and, and to be a woman <laughs> where it's okay to do that. Yeah. I also, I feel like I put a lot of the, uh, default on my conflict avoidance on mom and dad but it's also a bit on me because I I think a lot about what people think about me um, so I I feel like if I don't say anything I don't speak up then like I it can be assumed that I uh, I don't know I'm neutral and people will leave me alone but that's not the truth. If you if you don't speak up on like hard issues and you go for the neutral route, then you take the side of the oppressors. Right. I feel like I identify with both of you to some extent. Maybe more. Um, I don't know. I definitely am conflict avoidant. I don't know where exactly that stems from, except that I. Um, have learned not to I don't know I don't feel comfortable uh, 
getting into any form of argument <laughs> even if it's like I don't know if you remember when we had that like political discussion with mom and dad and Tua and the other our other siblings at Christmas in Arizona a few years ago and I uh, got too upset and had to go to the room and cry. And cry. <laughs> I just I know. I remember walking in on you and just feeling sad just that you were know. so sad. I think part of that reaction was that it's you know, these are charged topics and it makes me really upset to know that our parents have some of the opinions that they have. And partly I just don't know how to have conflict with people in a constructive way. Like you said, Lincoln, I get um, too emotional. (laughs) I just cry. Um, And so I like try to avoid that. I think it's interesting. I actually think though, that you have to lean into that vulnerability. I mean, I cry, we're sensitive. It's just who we are. But I also feel like if you hadn't gone to your room if you had allowed yourself to be vulnerable and start crying in front of mom and dad, that would have changed the conversation And there- in a way that to this day, I don't think that they realized how what they said was affecting you. I recognize that it's difficult too, because the fear is always going to be there. Like I, I get worried that I'm not going to be able to elaborate how I feel well enough or I'll like trip and say something wrong. And then the, like the discussion will go completely off. Right. Um, and I am also very sensitive to being talked over. <laughs> and, you know, that's part of, I don't know if you all feel that way. I feel like that's like a big part of our upbringing because there's just so many of us. I think I have often felt that it's easier just to like listen and find places to contribute where I can than to like push my opinion in conversations where everyone is trying to talk. Yeah, I that's a, that's, that pretty heavily. That's good for me to hear. I want to apologize if I've talked over you both <laughs> over these many years. <laughs> I feel like I I don't identify as a loud person, but I know that I am and I know that in our family sometimes I want to be heard and I'm going to say what I, what I want to say. And I know that sometimes I'm the one who causes political discussions or fights among our parents. I think there's a difference between loud and assertive. And I wish that I were more assertive like you are sometimes. Me too. I love that you have a voice, Courtney, and you know, like when and how to use it. I don't know if I, I always get it right. I think I've hurt feelings getting it wrong sometimes, but I do feel like it's important to me to be more authentic to myself and letting our parents know how I really feel or how sometimes when they say something, some things I find it hurtful. And if I'm finding it hurtful, our other siblings could find it hurtful and that it's important that they know that because it's not helping any of our relationships yeah by saying i think nothing. definitely part of my conflict avoidant style that is not working for me is that a lot of times i feel like especially with mom and dad they don't know when they're overstepping boundaries and i have become so used to just taking it and like papering over it uh and not acknowledging when it actually is like really hurting my feelings that it has built up. Like I do feel like there's a strain on the relationship. And honestly, when I saw, I don't know if you saw this, but I've been kind of avoiding Facebook because I knew that the discussion over the Confederate monuments would like frustrate me. And then I happened to see Jamie post about it and that mom replied something you know she was like i'm heartbroken over what they're doing to in our city and writing bad words everywhere and to my kids don't lecture me and it made me so angry honestly i 
went to bed really upset and woke up and cried about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't see that because I don't I go mean, on Facebook. I wasn't either, but I just happened to see it. Um, and it kind of felt to me, I said to, I was talking it through with one of my friends, that it felt like a breaking point to some extent that they need to I first of all it's just so is it hypocritical I don't know to say to my kids don't lecture me when just in the past month was it we were they like flooded the family group chat with unwanted political their unwanted political views and then sent that email to the family email chain that was like very emotionally manipulative about how because we don't go to church they won't get to have their eternal family which is the one thing they want in life wasn't that yes, dad but you know though, not mom well i feel like dad's i feel like dad's trying by sending things less and mom is trying by saying to dad, don't say anything to our kids. We know this causes conflict, but not It actually just feels like there's no listening. Engaging with and- it. I want to have, like, constructive conversations with mom, mom and dad. But I definitely feel like there's this boundary, and let me know if I'm wrong, where they feel like... I want to have a discussion with you, but ultimately, I know more than you yes. because I'm your parent. Well, I think we get into this really negative, there's such strong feelings, and I think both ways it has to do with hierarchy. Like, when mom starts to talk to me in a certain tone, I lose my <laughs> mind. I can't listen to her. I, like, no matter what it's about, it's this tone that's, like, I'm the mother, you're the daughter. And I'm, like, my my yeah. anger is hitting 100%. Like, and I think mom is the same way. Like, she loves us. And I think to a degree she wants to hear us. But when it sounds in her mind like we are saying we know more than you, then she's, like, I'm the mom. Don't ass- – I honestly think it might have to do with – insecurity I mean how shitty of me to say this maybe I'm completely off but I've wondered if it has to do with insecurity about us not perceiving her as smart because I mean I think she's very very smart but she's always like you guys are so much smarter than me I wonder if it's about an insecurity about don't don't underestimate me don't belittle me why can't you value my opinion as well I think emotionally that's I can definitely see her feeling that way right but I, yeah. And it's hard to come to a common ground where you're just saying, we love you. We know you love us. We disagree on this. Let's both explain why, you know, without attack, but with like true listening and understanding. And I don't think agreeing to disagree is like a great conclusion. I don't think so either. I feel like I've been try- trying to <laughs> not engage on that in order to maintain the relationship with them for since I stopped going to church and it has only made it feel more strained especially now that their politics and my politics slash our politics are diverging so starkly seeing her comment that made me feel like I don't know how to respect that opinion and by extension you (laughs) like and if I don't respect if we can't listen to each other and I don't feel like they listen I don't feel like this gentle approach has worked so far if we don't if they're not listening and if there's I can't respect that what they're saying I don't know what relationship I'm trying to maintain by continuing to swallow my words with them, if that makes sense. That's just that. Oh, I never think you need to swallow your words, but I do think that that's too strong for me. 
because I feel like even if we were 100% opposite ends of the spectrum with nothing in common for me, that my family, my desire to have family bonds would override my need to have them see and understand me and that I would just connect with them in the ways that we could connect, which is like the avoiding politics, avoiding religion, talking about the ways that we are I think on most things, I would be comfortable with that, but not on this, because this is about people's lives, you know, seeing mom write that comment where she prioritize it she's more upset over broken windows and bad words written on statues than about the police killing people that that's me well i honestly think that i understand that sadness but i also feel like you can't expect mom to understand how strongly you feel about that unless you tell her and so that's on you You know, I don't want you, it's not fair for you to harbor feelings of anger and disrespect without letting her know what you're feeling and giving her the opportunity to respond about why she is the way that she is. So there's like a level of work that needs to be done on both sides. I agree with that. And I have been thinking of how to address that, (laughs) but it's difficult. I feel like it's t- it's hard. You just gotta I'm, be brave. At the same time, while I'm writing it, I'm like anticipating what their would be, what mom's reaction be would be, and what dad's reaction would be. And I feel like that is deterring me a little bit. I feel like when we have these conversations, this maybe isn't the best, but I would start with mom because she is more reasonable. Yeah. Well, I also don't underestimate how smart dad is. I'm not saying he always gets it right, but even if he disagrees with you, I mean, he can understand yeah. logical arguments. So if you were to say, this hurt my feelings and this is why, this is the way that I see it, no need for you to respond, but I just wanted to let you know how this comment hurt me. I think that that is always going to be positive. But it's a learning experience for all of us. Yeah. And this is a hard process. It's an incredibly hard process. I feel like I've been working for a decade, maybe a little less, but like many, many years to try and get closer to our family. Like real relationships, not just you know, laughing about the things that we like, but like really knowing each other as people and I'm not there yet. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of the most challenging, I don't know why it's so difficult. I don't know why we just haven't had relationships as friends. I feel like I didn't really know you that well, Coco, when you left for college because I was like, what, eight? Yeah. Well, and I also feel like in some ways I've had my own prejudices. Like, I feel like Jamie and I fought so much because we we're only a year apart that I don't think I've taken the time to maintain a close relationship with her, even though I love her and I have more work to do there. And like Megan and I didn't always get along. And I think honestly, I've never told her this, but I think some of it is shame on my part that she gets things right or I get things wrong. Where I remember, like, here's an example. I remember in high school that Megan wanted to join um, some organization for like equality and social justice yeah she she wanted to join the gay straight alliance and mom was like I don't feel comfortable with you doing that and I was like why are you doing that <laughs> and I mean I just feel so much shame about that that Megan's compass has always North. pointed nor you know so mm-hmm. like clearly and so truly yeah I feel like I'm yeah. getting emotional, but like where mine, <laughs> where mine hasn't always. I've thought about that too. I don't remember it happening when 
I don't I don't think I was old enough to remember when it happened, but I've heard you mention it before. And I think it's I've thought about it in the context of Megan coming out as bi too. And how difficult that must have been for her to try to join the gay straight alliance in high school, probably struggling with that. And then have mom be like, I'm, no. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, not just mom. Like, I feel like, me too. <laughs> you know, like her peers. I remember once Megan was reading, like, The Dark is Rising. And I remember I said to her, like, I don't know if you should read that. I heard that that's, like, a bad anti-Christian book. <laughs> like, what? Jesus, it's just like hard to even conceptualize, but I feel like I need to work on my own relationship with, with Megan. Our personalities are so different, and I feel like despite yeah. that, I have so much respect for her. I love Megan, and I feel like we get along like very well on a personal level, but we don't we don't talk about deep things too often. Like mainly if I call to check on Megan, we'll talk about TV and stuff. Which I love and you know, it's positive, but I don't know I care about her. I want sometimes I feel like it's best to let or I'd rather let the other person <laughs> dictate how how deep the conversation will be because I feel like if somebody comes to me and is immediately trying to talk about like deep stuff. I don't know. I've even had people like friends who I love and care about recently, you know, check in and they've been like, what's bringing you joy right now? And I'm like, I can't engage with you on that level right now. Can we just talk about TV? (laughs) I get that. I feel like I know that it's hard, but I feel like it's so positive to move in that direction because honestly I just get bored sometimes talking about the superficial like how is your work going or how are you but you're not asked you're not actually asking you know like how are you you just want them to stay fine (laughs) so the conversation can move forward but anyway I think that is all that's a good thing for us all to think about and continue to work on like deepening our relationships because I know that we all have like the three of us I know that that we're each social and have like deep relationships with our friends but I think it's negative if we don't have those same relationships with our family which is one reason I'm really happy that we did this yeah this has been very constructive I'm glad you spearheaded it Coco. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Before we close, one of my worries is that when mom and dad eventually find out that we did this podcast, that they're going to be really their feelings are going to be hurt that I named Why? their dad family. They're not part of it. <laughs> oh, maybe they'll think we're talking about the whole family. Yeah, I think that they'll think that the name of the podcast was about our family being a bad family, and that will deeply hurt their feelings. Because, you know, Dad is always talking about that one story where when I was a teenager, I said, this family is so dysfunctional, and, like, he's never forgotten it. I think it, like, deeply (laughs) wounded him, and he's always bringing up how I thought our family was dysfunctional. Love your dysfunctional father, (laughs) that kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, and so um, one of my fears is that, like, I've caused a future fight <laughs> by naming our this podcast Bad Family, even though I don't think we have a bad family, but I think everyone can, in the world, can identify with well, having who knows an imperfect if family. Well, really ever find out about the podcast. Find out about the who podcast? Who knows if what? Oh, for sure they will. No one in our family can keep a secret. There's like, we've got the biggest mouths in the South. <laughs> well, uh, for sure. Well, I hope they don't listen to this episode. 
if you do love your mom and dad love you (laughs) love you mom and dad well anyway i guess we should wrap up anyone have any last thoughts Um, let's name our favorite sibling (laughs) just kidding (laughs) no thank you well i love you 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 have a great week Bye. bye bye okay talk soon Thanks for listening. Smell you later.